Welcome to another episode of Pimp Your Brilliance with Monique Malcolm, a podcast about brilliant people leveraging their passions to create their own opportunities. I aim to show you what's really possible when you shut down the course of fear and lean into your genius zone. You can learn more about this show and subscribe for updates by visiting keepchasingthestars.com backslash podcast, or come hang out with me on Instagram at starchasersonly. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, Star Chasers, this episode of Pimp Your Brilliance is brought to you by the Visionary Journal. The Visionary Journal is a goal setting guide, mini vision board and day planner. It provides a simple structure to help you break your goals into actionable steps that you can integrate into your daily life. Pre-orders are now open for the new and improved Galaxy Visionary Journal. For more information and to pre-order a copy, visit visionaryjournal.co. Welcome to episode 15. If you want more information about this episode or show notes, you can find them at keepchasingthestars.com backslash 15. So today, guys, I told you it was coming. We are going to be closing out this season one of the Pimp Your Brilliance podcast. And I'm so excited because we are remixing things and turning the tables a bit. And instead of me doing the interviewing, I'm going to be getting interviewed. So I have my girl, Amber Wright of TalkToAmber.com. Say, hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey. So she is going to be asking me some interview questions, and I'm going to be answering them as if I'm doing the interview myself. So I'm kind of excited because I've never done this, and I'm interested to see how it plays out. But I'm going to let Amber take the the show on the road because I'm ready. Well, welcome to your show, Monique. (laughs) Hey, I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) I am so happy that. I get to do this to you. I think this is so fun and it's such a indicator of your creativity, which you know I love and admire. Just like I know that your listeners love and admire about you as well. So we all are familiar with the Pimp Your Brilliance podcast, the Visionary Journal, and all of the amazing things that you do and have done. But tell us in your own words about your background. Give us a little bit about your story. So my story, I have been online since about 2008. My first like foray into online anything was a blog and it was called Your Style Star and it was like a fashion blog. And at the time I started that blog, I was a teacher. So I taught sixth and seventh grade science. And that was a series of fails, a series of challenges, <laughs> a series of important life lessons learned. Um, and I, I knew pretty on pre- pretty early on in my teaching career that I was not going to stick through it because it it was just not what I expected. And um, the experience, it was just, a, it wasn't a good experience, basically. And so um, I actually ended up starting my very first business, which was Anti-Sparkle, uh, a t-shirt line, during the spring break of my second year of teaching. We had gone to a craft store, my husband and I, because I was always making things. And we were in the craft store and they had a personal screen printing machine. And I was like, oh, that's neat. And my husband was like, you should get that and make some T-shirts. And I was like, nah, son, that's stupid. Why would I do that? And, (laughs) you know, I just kind of like brushed it off and we left. But like he planted this seed in my mind about like you could make T-shirts and start a business. And so I went back before the end of spring break and I bought that personal screen printing machine and I taught myself how to screen print. But the kicker here is I don't know how to draw. 
So I was like, and I didn't know how to design anything in Photoshop or Illustrator, like any type of program. So I taught myself how to use those programs. I taught myself how to screen print. And that was the very beginning of like my first business. And I stuck out that t-shirt line until about 2015 or so. Um, it, it felt like a good time to transition the name from Anti-Sparkle to Keep Chasing the Stars just because I felt like the message was shifting. I initially started out like designing things like I used to say like geek wear. So I had a t-shirt that was really popular called Geek is Gangster and the sky is not the limit. All of these uh, motivational sayings, but at the same time I was doing like character art and all of these other things. And I, I felt like I was shifting to a place where things were more positive. I wanted to talk to people about, you know, living their life and going after what they wanted. And so in 2015, I rebranded to Keep Chasing the Stars. And that's also around the time where I started doing the Visionary Journal. And here we are, like two years later, chasing the stars and creating our visions. Oh, man, that's so cool. Because 2015 is when our stars path or our stars crossed in the galaxy. <laughs> and um, I became familiar with your work because of Anti-Sparkle. I fell in love with your Geek is Gangsta shirt and I bought the sweatshirt for my husband and I bought a bag for myself. I'm like, this is so cool. And it was so crazy because I was a little starstruck when I first met you, when we first started to interact online. I think it was from Periscope. And uh, because I was just a huge fan of your work. And so it's been really awesome for me to see how your brand has evolved over these last few years. And I mean, you were in the e-commerce game long before t-shirts were popping, like every before everybody named mama has a t-shirt line now, but you were really kind of like ahead of your time. I mean, t-shirts aren't new, obviously, but you've kind of, you nailed that space long before it became a trend. And I commend you for that. Um, so there's already two careers that folded there, right? You were a teacher first, and then you started your business, and then now you're you've moved into more of the physical product space with the Visionary Journal. How, talk to us about taking that leap. How did you know when it was time, and and what did you do to prepare for that transition? To say, okay, I'm going to give up this one thing to focus on more positive things and also other types of physical products. You know, if I'm being honest, I don't know if I ever really know. Um, <laughs> I just see like things start to shift and, and feelings start to change. And my enthusiasm about, you know, whatever it is I'm doing at the time, it starts to wane. And when that happens and if it stays in that space for a long time, I start to think like, OK, so I'm in transition. What's next? Uh, leaving my profession as a teacher, that wasn't hard because, I mean, I, I didn't love it. And I already knew um, after the first year of teaching, I wasn't, I didn't want to return. But I did because of like financial reasons and economic reasons. We needed two paychecks. And so I stuck it out a second year. But after that second year, um, they were laying off teachers. And so when it happened to me, it, it wasn't stressful because I was like, well, that solved that. I don't have to go back and teach. Um I did try for a while to get the business off the ground immediately after that happened. And with any business, there's a lot of slow progress and a lot of slow growth. So I, you know, found a part time job and a full time job. And I always had like ways to supplement my income. 
So it wasn't necessarily like a seamless, smooth transition. And there was not a lot of preparation on my end. It was like, what does my family need? So does my family need for me to go work right now? Yes, then I'm going to work and I'll be of the business on the side. And there's been times where, you know, things have been uh, less lean and I've been able to work part time or uh, not work at all and focus on the business full time. And that kind of happened on and off until maybe about 2013 ish, I think is when I left my last full time job and started doing my business full time. So uh, for me, there has not been like a perfect time. It's just kind of going with the feelings and and uh, making some decisions. That's really good because I think that that will help a lot of people who are listening. So often, well, at least in recent years, there's been such this glamorization of entrepreneurship and follow your gene- dreams and take these risks and and that's true. All of that stuff is true. But I think every person has to know what time is the best time for them. And you will know when that is. So if you know you got to stay at your job a little bit longer because of where your financial situation is like, that's fine. If you know that, okay, I'm, I'm ready to go for it, that's fine too. But it's just about everyone having their own journey laid out uniquely for them. And it's important that we all just kind of do what makes sense for us and our own lives on this journey towards entrepreneurship or in entrepreneurship. Exactly. Don't let that, uh, don't let the the Instagram entrepreneurs like get in your head and, and mess you up because there's a lot of people online who their stuff looks good, but their bank accounts are empty or, you know, they're scraping by. And, you know, I, I do believe in the idea of like, you got to fake it till you make it, but you can only fake so much. And there's some things that you shouldn't be faking. So um, don't let the glamorization of entrepreneurship make you feel like I need to quit my job today or make you feel less than because you have to do part time work or, you know, whatever, because nobody knows like your situation or what you require, what your family requires. And I don't think there's anything to be ashamed of when it comes to the realization, like I got to take a part-time job because my family needs more money because you know, what's worse, not being able to pay your bills. Absolutely. And the church said, Amen. <laughs> right. You got to be able to pay your bills. And, you know, I, I love that. I think that that will resonate with a lot of folks. Um, and as we know with entrepreneurship, it requires so many different things because you are the marketer, the accountant, the assistant, you are the face of the brand, or all these different things. So, with all of the hats that you wear, how do you manage to stay consistent? Because I personally, and and you know this, I'm such a fan of everything that you do. It's always just so top notch. Even the promotions for the podcast episodes, everything you do is just so beautiful, so put together, so well done. And I think that that speaks to your creativity. But there's all these other, you can't just be creative in the business, right? There's also the business aspect of it. So how do you manage wearing all of those hats and staying consistent with them? You know, whenever somebody says like, oh my gosh, you're so consistent. How do you do it? Like in my mind, I'm just like, you think I'm consistent? <laughs> that is so cute. <laughs> I kind of feel like sometimes you're going to go, someone's going to be like, ha ha ha, gotcha. Like I found you out. <laughs> 
Like, I kind of want to laugh and like be like, you are so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, um, and and I, I have to, you know, I realize that I am hypercritical of myself and the things that I do because I, I do have a bit of overachiever in me and a bit of perfectionism in me. And so, you know, I tend to feel like I'm not doing enough and I could be doing more. So I don't always see myself as consistent. But the thing that works for me is really kind of knowing like what needs to happen with each thing that I do. So with the podcast, like I sat down and I wrote out this like tedious and exhausting list of every single thing that goes into a podcast episode. And I know when a podcast episode comes out, like, I need to check all those boxes off the list. And with the podcast, I got to the point where it was overwhelming for me to do that alone. So I brought on somebody to help me with that. But that's really how I approach pretty much everything that I put out for the business. Like if there's a new product that comes out, there's a list of things that need to happen. I need photos and I need, you know, uh, emails written and I need promotional things and I try to get through those lists as much as possible, but I'm not going to lie. Like I drop the ball all the time because I have a love hate relationship with social media. (laughs) It's the one thing that kind of overwhelms me because I'm just like everybody else. Like I, I get asked all the time, like, how do you grow your social media? How do you stand out with your social media? And sometimes I want to be like, oh no, I'm making it up the same way that everybody else who's doing it is making it up. Like, <laughs> it's not, um, I won't say that there's there's not formulas. There are, but I think for the most part, the, the same information, the same strategies and tools and tips are circulating about how to do this. And do I think they're all really effective? No, because <laughs> if they were, then everybody's social media would be popping. But I think that uh, you have to realize at some point that the people who are really, you know, standing out in social media are dedicating a lot of time and a lot of energy and a lot of resources to that. And you have to really think about what type of resources do you have? uh, How much can you do and how much time do you want to put out for whatever that is? I think that is really the key to staying consistent is being real about the work that you need to do being real about do you have all the resources to do it and then allotting time to get that done. If you don't want to do that work, then you're not going to be consistent because you're not going to stick it out because not everything is fun. There's a lot of this entrepreneurship stuff, business owner stuff that I don't love to do. And those tend to be the things that I procrastinate on. The things that I love to do, I have no problem doing those things. And I think that If you want to be consistent, you have to strike a balance between finding the things that you love to do and doing those, but also finding time and energy to do the things that you don't love. And now a word from our sponsors. I'm totally going to do a shameless plug here. And if you are someone who's having a hard time with consistency, you need to get a visionary journal (laughs) because that's what it's designed for. Monique's really one of the most productive people that I know. She's really good at strategizing and I love that about you. And I also appreciate that you poured all of that knowledge and wisdom about how to create a system so that people can execute their goals more concretely in the visionary journal. And we'll talk more about that in a second, but I also appreciate you being honest about getting help because I I remember there used to be the, well, it's still around. There's this blog called Curly Nikki. And when I was, when I used to wear my hair curly, 
uh, I've been natural for a long time, but when I, I, I press my hair. So when I wasn't pressing my hair, I used to read this blog and she had posts like every single day. And then she got pregnant and she had a baby. And I was like, oh, I already know. She gonna have this baby and she not gonna have no more posts till like whenever. And it didn't stop. Like there were still posts every single day. And I was so perplexed by that. Like, how is she doing that? How does she have a newborn? And she's getting all this content out. And then in another post sometime later, she mentioned that she had an intern. And I was so blown away by that because I was like, intern? Oh, you got an intern? So I I felt like it was a secret. It used to be kind of taboo if you had people helping you. But now that's a badge of honor (laughs) if you're able to say, hey, I need help in my business, one. And two, when you get the help, say, someone helps me do all of this because I think that sometimes people like having other people think that they're doing it all by themselves to be like, oh my God, look at my life. I'm just putting my hair in a bun and drinking coffee and I'm getting it all done. And it's like, "Uh uh-uh, girl, you know you got a VA, so quit playing. (laughs) So I appreciate you um, (laughs) being honest about getting help in some of the areas that you needed it and using that as a strategy to balance all the things that you're doing and um, staying consistent. Uh, That also kind of brings me to my next question, which is, you know, this entrepreneurship game, especially with having a creative business, it's not all rainbows and unicorns, right? Like sometimes it's really tough days. So talk to me about what some of your challenges are or have been and how you've managed them. You know, I I think my challenges are what everybody's challenges are. I mean, it's and what I mean when I say that is like, I think the main things people struggle with are like having enough money. Because uh, having a business that revolves around physical products means that I need to be really good on not only managing my money and my business expenses, but also managing inventory, which I think um, sometimes people don't consider. Like if you have a T-shirt line or if you sell planners or whatever, there's an upfront cost and that cost extends beyond just the cost of those goods. You have to store them. You need packaging materials to ship them. Like there's a lot of costs that are are associated with that. So that's always been a challenge, making sure that I have uh, enough funds when it's time to, you know, purchase the next thing. And and I think that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with that. It may just be, you know, having funds to just fund their business, but just having money available to make investments. Sometimes it's hard to choose what you want to spend the money on or should you make an investment in certain things. And so that that has been a challenge. Um, it's a challenge that's getting better, but it, it has been a challenge all these years that I've worked online. Uh, other things that have been challenged, it used to be really a really huge challenge for me to take time off. I used to really struggle with like hustler's guilt and feeling like if I took time to hang out with my family, I didn't have time for the business, or if I decided to take a nap, you know, the world was going to crash down. But I've learned in the last year, like, it doesn't matter. The days that I say I'm going to skip, like, spin class because I have a deadline to meet and I'm pressed for time, I don't necessarily get more work done. <laughs> uh, so I've, I've learned to relax on that and focus more on the benefits, like the self-care that's attached to taking time off and not so much time, uh, not focus so much on the time that I'm losing on the business because... It, I think at the end of the day, that's not going to matter. Like at the end of your life, you're not going to be mad that you took that hour to go walk down the street or eat a candy bar. Like it's it's going to wash itself out. 
So that's that's one of my things, um, the, the hustler's guilt, but I, I've gotten to a place where that's not a big issue. I also think um, one of my challenges is the comparison. And I've heard people talk about that on my show before, but it's really, really easy to get caught up in like what somebody else is doing and losing focus and losing sight of what you're doing because we live in a time where like you can consume information like anytime, any place, and it's great, but it's also like so ridiculously easy to compare yourself. (laughs) And you really have to like, I know personally I have to check myself all the time or say I'm not going to look at certain things or I'm going to get off of Instagram. Instagram is like the worst place because it's so curated. Everybody is showing like the best of the best of their lives and their best photos and their best outfits and their most fun, uh, you know, events and experiences. So it's really easy to be like, well, dang, I'm not doing that. I don't have that pretty red lipstick or my hair isn't as curly and my, you know, I'm not as skinny and my business is, I'm not sending out that many packages today. And so I have to be really conscious about what I consume because that gets in your head. And if you let it get in your head for too long, you aren't going to get anything done and you're not going to make progress and you're not going to do the things that you need to do. So I think that is pretty much a universal challenge, but it, it is one that I'm still working on. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> there's that, that's a whole other podcast episode just by itself. The, the, the trap of what I call comparison itis. It's a disease that will kill you, will kill your dreams. And I think it is important. And that's actually one of the lessons that I, I love that has emerged out of our friendship is how you say, you know, you just got to keep your eyes on your own paper. And I think that that's so true. We got to just put our heads down, focus on what's working, because I think we live in this microwave culture of success. And everyone thinks that it takes six months to make six figures. And like, yo, that's not true. Or you, or it is true. That is possible. You could do that. But then where is your business going to be five months from now? It's like the curse of Michael Jackson. Uh, I remember Quincy Jones and Oprah talking about how, I think it was Oprah, Oprah specifically said that Michael never realized that what happened with Thriller, for example, was a phenomenon. It was unusual. It was an anomaly. And He never just let that be enough. So he spent the rest of his career trying to outdo himself based upon the success of Thriller, almost not necessarily to his demise, but it it kind of put him in this space of this trap of perfectionism. And he was like almost competing and comparing himself to himself. And he did himself a disservice in doing that. And I think as entrepreneurs, it is really easy to be like, dang, she got all these followers on Instagram everybody's buying these courses and I have people now I see people on Instagram showing like oh look at all this money I made like showing actual quote-unquote receipts about money they've been making for this course and this and that and that feels so like dang I want I want to achieve that too but the reality is you will it's just going to take time and there's no rush so it's like there's no race uh when it comes to running your own business it's just being willing to take time and build something formidable. Like that's what I'm trying to do, you know, build something that's going to last. And when I do that, that means 
I can give myself that grace and take that walk and eat that candy bar because I know that what's meant for me is for me. So awesome with that. And I think that that kind of folds in you. You kind of answered with some of my keys, my keys to success question, which was next. I wanted to know what you identified some of your keys to success would be, but I think you kind of nailed it in just saying like, listen, I got to do, I got to take my time and work my plan and it'll all come together. I have one to, uh, I have something to add to that though. Uh, 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 I think a major key to my success this whole time has been my willingness to be resourceful. Uh, I, I get a lot of emails from people who want to know like, how did you do this thing? Or where did you get this from? Or, you know, what advice do you have for me? And I think time and time again, it just comes down to me just wanting to be resourceful. Like, knowing that I have a vision of something and fighting tooth and nail to find the answers to fulfill that vision. And sometimes I feel that people want a shortcut. And there's nothing wrong with asking people questions about things that you want to know the answers to. But I have found time and time again, the people who are really successful, they're resourceful. They use Google and they go beyond the first two pages. They dig through information. Let's be honest. Like some people Google and if they can't find the answer in like the first five results, they give up. It's like the answer is not there. But sometimes you have to change your search query. Maybe you need to change the word you're using or figure out the proper jargon for the industry or, or dig through some more pages. But not everyone is willing to do that. And I am. I'm always reading things. I'm always consuming things. I'm always searching things. I'm always learning things. And when I can't figure something out, instead of sitting there and thinking, oh, I don't know how I'm going to do this, I try to flip it and think, okay, so here's the thing that I already have, or here's the thing that I already know. How can I use that to get me to the next point? Or how can I use that to solve my problem? I don't just let myself get stuck. And I think that that's a mindset thing that people have to learn. Like the answers are not always going to be there instantly. And you're not always going to know the person to ask for that answer. But you have to keep searching or pick up a phone or, you know, you may need to figure out a person that you can email, but you have to be resourceful. You just can't sit there and just think, well, it wasn't in the first five search results, so I'm not going to look anymore. Absolutely. And one of the byproducts of you being so resourceful is that then you become a resource to other people. You have this huge knowledge bank of all these things. And there's like, oh, there's a link for that. There's an app for that. There's a website for that. And I just think that that's fantastic. I just feel like you're a naturally inquisitive person. And as a result, you're going to find what you need. And then that makes you really helpful uh, to other people. So thank you for always being so willing to be helpful to other folks and especially me because you're my friend <laughs> okay so before I let you go what I want to talk to you about is the pimp your brilliance action challenge what are your three top uh, tips for someone who is interested in starting a creative business oh so I feel well I was gonna say I feel like I just said that with being resourceful but my my first thing is to start with what you have. So instead of approaching the problem, whatever it is that you're trying to solve or whatever it is you're trying to figure out, instead of approaching that problem, that issue from a place of, I don't have, 
which is like a place of lack. And it's a, there's not an answer there. You need to approach that problem with what do I already have? So if, you know, capital is a problem, if you don't have money, well, what do you have that you can leverage to get that money? Can you barter with somebody? Or do you have awesome design skills? Can you sell those? Even if it's not the thing that you actually want to end up doing, do you have something that you can leverage to get you there? And I I strongly, strongly feel, and I tell people this all the time, you have to start with what you have. If you're trying to start at the position of, I don't have money, and you're trying to find the issue from, I don't have money, you're not going to have money. But if you start thinking about it from, I have awesome photography skills. And even though I don't want to be a photographer, but I have these skills, there's a solution there for you. So that's my first one. My second one is, um, hmm. Uh, I'm going to say, if you're starting a business, spend some time looking at some of your creative neighbors, and I don't want to call them competitors because I don't want you to think that you're competing with people. They're your creative neighbors. They're people who exist in the same space as you. This is not to compare, but spend some time looking at people who do that thing really well and then people who are doing that thing, and it's just, I mean, they're doing it. That's that's the best that you have for that. Um, And figure out, like, Where can you fit in? So for those who are doing it really well, like what things are they doing that you really love about their brand? And are there ways that you can incorporate these strategies, these ideas into your brand and not in a way to copy, but in a way to improve the the customer experience? And then if you if you know of a brand or a creative neighbor that's doing the thing, but you feel like they're falling short or they're leaving opportunities on the table, fill those gaps. Like, don't just try to go and copy somebody else. Like, if you see gaps, fill the gaps, plug the gaps, because chances are somebody else sees those gaps and they're dissatisfied with the service that they received or they feel like the customer service wasn't great because that gap, that need wasn't met. So fill those gaps. Look for those opportunities. So look for opportunities where things can be improved and then also look for opportunities for things that you can do that you feel like they're doing really well. Um, My last one is just get started. And this seems like super basic, but analysis paralysis is real. Educating yourself, reading every blog, reading every Pinterest thing that you can find, reading every Google search story that you can find. Like there are people who had an idea last year and they still don't feel like they have enough research. And they've been researching for the last 365 (laughs) days. (laughs) So there is a point where you hit information overload. There is a point where you can't research anything else. You need the experience. You need to try. You need to get your hands dirty. You need to get out there and get started. And you only get that kind of experience when you actually start doing the work. So at some point, you have to put the books down, close the internet, and... um, Get started and, you know, le- leap and learn. Ooh, 
Yes, honey. I love that. Leap and learn. That, that's so good. That reminds me when I was in grad school and I used to, my friends used to laugh at me because I would spend so much time researching articles instead of actually writing my papers. <laughs> it's like a stall tactic. And, it, and it's so true. It's like you already have what you need on the inside of you or you've learned enough. Go ahead and apply it. Try it. See what works. Then hit the drawing board again. Now with this new set of knowledge that you've learned that you can take away from actually doing. There's nothing better than on-the-job training. So those are really fantastic tips about how to get started with a creative business because I think that there's been such a boom post-recession in entrepreneurship. And if you have a laptop and an internet connection, you can make money. And that's great. <laughs> that's awesome. But there's also ways that you can do it that uh, will set yourself up for success. I know that you love to read, as do I. And my final question for you is what are what, what books are you currently reading or that you have read recently that have just like blown your mind? Uh, so I'm going to do some plugging here. So my first one is Miss Amber's book. Yes, honey. Ma'am, can, tell them about your book, girl. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the name of my book is called Can We Talk? <laughs> 10 Life Lessons on Finding Your Voice and Finding Yourself. And it's a personal development guide for people who want to do just that. They want to get a little bit closer to getting to know who they're meant to be and figure out how to turn their voices off of mute and turn the volume up and say, this is who I am and speak their truth loudly and boldly. And I'm really proud of it. It came out this year. It's available on Amazon. So go cop that. Uh, at the, the same uh, token, uh, another friend that's written a book that I've just gotten and I'm starting to read it is Alicia. Wait, she just got married. So she's Alisa, Alicia Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to call her Alicia Bird, but she was an earlier guest on the podcast and she just um, wrote Living Over Existing. Yes. So that's another really good one. We should do a book club, a book club episode on that because I bought one too and I need to read it. Yes, we totally need to. So let's put that on the calendar. But yes, you can check out her book. She's on Amazon and Barnes & Noble as well. Um, other books that I've read, I've been reading that I want to recommend. So y'all going to have to forgive my French because they they have uh, not safe for work titles. But I've been reading The Life-Changing Magic of Not Giving a Fuck, which is by uh, Sarah. Goodness, her name is Sarah something. It'll be in the show notes. And then The the Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, which is by Mark Manson. Um, both of those books are really about, you know, trying to decide what you actually want to focus your time and energy on and getting rid of everything else, which I appreciate because I'm working on setting better boundaries with friends and family and people in my life. So uh, both of those books I highly recommend. And then just on, uh, you know, personal note of um, books that I like to read because I really like to read for pleasure more than personal development. So I'm currently reading The Strange Case of the Alchemist's Daughter, which I really like. Um, it's a fiction book and it's a mashup of like, it tells like the the story of the, it mashes up like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and like Frankenstein and all of these. And it tells it from the perspective of uh, Dr. Jekyll's daughter. So it's 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 interesting. I, I like it. It's it's uh, by Theodora Goss. So that's a book that you guys may want to check out. And then uh, another book 
or series of books that I have read that I really liked are the um, the Dorothy Must Die series. It's like, <laughs> it's a, uh, I think there's like, goodness, there's multiple books of that series, but it's like um, the backstory of Dorothy and how she actually was evil. <laughs> and um, it's, it's an interesting set of books. So if you guys want something interesting to read, either one of those is good. Fantastic. Well, this has been fun. It has. I, I like this. Maybe I need to have people come on and interview me all the time. No, I'm kidding. That would be boring. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this was a, a very welcome change of pace, and I'm excited that I got to do this to close out the end of my first season because this has been fun. So I'm looking forward to, like, season two, bringing back bigger and better and more exciting guests and more book club episodes and we're definitely going to have to do a book club for living over existence and can we talk because people need to read these books girl yes and i mean congratulations on a, another well on a successful season i'm so proud of you and all that you have accomplished and uh, hearing all these other folks stories and just being someone who can invite folks to have a really good conversation that is warm, inspirational, and informative. So thank you for allowing me this opportunity to flip the table and turn the mic around on you. And I look forward to doing it again. Yes. Well, thank you. And you guys get ready for season two because it's coming back in February of 2018. And that's it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Learn more about this show and get access to show notes by visiting keepchasingthestars.com. While you're there, make sure you subscribe for updates. I'll be back next week. And in the meantime, go out there and pimp your brilliance.